So nice when your son-in-law takes care of you like this. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Brian. Thank you guys for blessing us. I love the lyric of that, uh, at that last song. Though the earth may shake and battles rage, our God reigns. Boy, that is a message we need in this hour. Have you noticed that the Bible represents a perspective that is often countercultural? Its wisdom cuts across what's being said, what's being practiced in the mainstream of society. But I'm very thankful that I was taught as a young boy to embrace the reality that God's Word is in my best interest always. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says it this way, Every Scripture passage is inspired by God. All of them are useful for teaching, pointing out errors, correcting people, and training them for a life that has God's approval. And for this reason, if something is taught in the Bible, I want to know it. I want my life to be programmed by God's Word. And I hope you feel the same, especially as we come to this theme of good sense. Now, I want to remind you of something. I want to reinforce something that you've heard me say frequently through the years. That the singular purpose of biblical teaching on the subject of how to relate to money and the material world is to provide the blessings of financial freedom and peace and joy to you and your loved ones. I think this is one of the most positive things we do each year for our Crossroads families. And so you can relax and your defenses need not be up during these three weeks. The imposition of guilt or the application of pressure is not what this is about. Instead, I, I promise you that you're simply going to hear from the Bible about the importance of controlling spending and the wisdom of resisting debt and the joy of giving and receiving just in time for the Christmas season. So this weekend, control spending. wonder if you're familiar with this little tongue-in-cheek country song from Shania Twain. I thought we might show the video of Shania Twain singing this song, but I previewed it and I thought, nah. <laughs> the song is called Ka-Ching. We live in a greedy little world that teaches every little boy and girl to earn as much as they can possibly, then turn around and spend it foolishly. We've created us a credit card mess. We spend the money that we don't possess. Our religion is to go and blow it all, so it's shopping every Sunday at the mall. All we ever want is more, a lot more than we had before, so take me to the nearest store. Can you hear it ring? It makes you want to sing. It's such a beautiful thing. Ka-ching! Lots of diamond rings, the happiness it brings. You'll live like a king with lots of money and things. When you're broke, go and get a loan. Take out another mortgage on your home. Consolidate so you can afford to go and spend some more when you get bored. 
Dig deeper in your pocket. Oh, yeah. Come on. I know you've got it. Dig deeper in your wallet. Oh, all we ever want is more. A lot more than we had before, so take me to the nearest store. Can you hear it ring? It makes you want to sing. You'll live like a king with lots of money and things. Ka-ching. Pretty cute, uh, that, the song, the song, and very true. The song reveals the spending habits of a lot of people today, doesn't it? Sounds like the theme song of former PGA golfer Doug Sanders who talked candidly about his flamboyant lifestyle. Here's what he said. I'm working as hard as I can to get my life and my cash to run out at the same time. Now I figure if I can die right after lunch next Tuesday, I'll have it just about right. Well, too many people today find their money running out before their life does. And in between, they have all kinds of problems. They don't give back to God the way they know they should. They can't save the way they want to. They can't experience the pleasure of helping others because they're living with financial stress. Maybe it's not they. Maybe, maybe it's you. USA Today reported that 300,000 Americans seek help with credit counseling every month. So probably the most important topic we could discuss today is not how to increase our earning power, but how we can discipline our spending habits. Maybe the best example in the Bible of uncontrolled spending is the prodigal son. Take a look at Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 11. It says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Well, this is Jesus' story about the young man who took his father's inheritance and headed into the far country. 
And this story is usually used to impress a warning about rebellious living or to illustrate the depth of the love of our Heavenly Father. And both applications are correct, and both applications are helpful. But today, today I want us to look at this story from a different angle. And I want us to discover a godly perspective on spending. Because the prodigal son learned some hard lessons about how important it is to, to control spending. So I want us to take a look at the mistakes that he made so we can avoid them. And then let's look at the corrections he made to help him get his life on track and to help get his relationship with his father back on track so we can imitate them. Mistakes that we can avoid, corrections that we can imitate. First is mistakes. Well, the first mistake he made was that he exaggerated the importance of money. Now, Jesus had just finished saying in the context of a feud between two brothers over an inheritance, Jesus had just said to these two brothers, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And when there's an inheritance, it's just amazing how often you will see greed kick in. But the young man in our parable, he didn't believe that. He didn't believe that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Somehow, money mattered more to him than his family relationships. Money mattered to him more than his own integrity. So he selfishly said to his father in Luke 15, 12, I can't wait for you to die. Give me my share of the estate now. Now, that is the Eidelman paraphrase of that verse. It's not stated just like that, but that's what he meant. And his share of the family estate mattered more to him than the feelings of his older brother. It mattered more to him than the feelings of his father. Money was the most important thing to him. But the book of Proverbs in the wisdom literature of the Old Testament reveals there are actually several things that are more important than money. Take a look at the list. First of all, wisdom is more important than money. Proverbs 3.13, wisdom is worth more than silver. It brings more profit than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you could want is equal to it. Wisdom. Knowing how to direct your life, knowing how to live your life wisely. It's more important than money. Another commodity that's more important than money is harmonious relationships. That's from Proverbs 15, 16. It's better to be poor and respect the Lord than to be wealthy and have much turmoil. It's better to eat vegetables with those who love you than to eat at Ruth's Chris Steakhouse with those who hate you. Isn't it true that people would give away everything they have in some cases to restore a relationship? Something else that's more important than money is integrity. That's from Proverbs 20, verse 15. Gold there is and rubies in abundance, but the lips that speak the truth are a rare jewel. Your integrity is worth more than money. 
And then a good reputation, Proverbs 22, verse 1, choose a good reputation over great riches. For being held in high esteem is better than having silver or gold, being respected, having a good reputation. That's more important than money. And a fifth more valuable asset than money is discipline and discernment, Proverbs 23, 23, buy the truth and don't ever sell it. Also get discipline and discernment. And I think Jesus would add one more thing that exceeds money in importance, and that is, that is salvation. Matthew 16, 26, these are the words of Jesus. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? Is there anything worth more than your soul? Now, my guess is that this teaching from Proverbs that we've gone through right now has gone right over the head of someone who really needs to take these thoughts captive today. I know it's really hard to get it because we've been brainwashed by advertisers, they employ billboards, magazines, radio, television, the Internet, all designed to make us want to go out and buy something new. And everybody that advertises something that we need to buy is having a ball. They've got a smile on their face, new cars, new clothes, new electronic devices, and the lie is that buying these things are going to mean that you'll have a better life, you'll have greater happiness. But we all know how it goes. The newness wears off. The car quickly becomes last year's model, or it gets scratched, or it immediately begins to depreciate when we drive it off the lot, and the clothes get stained, or they wear out, or they go out of style, and the batteries die, and the newer, better, faster electronics become obsolete within a few months, and the cycle starts all over again. Nathan Dungan writes, our children experience over a thousand advertising impressions a day, and they spend five times more money at their age than their parents did at that same age. Do you know that right now, age 25 to age 34, that is the number one age group for filing bankruptcy? In his book, Balancing on the Tightrope, Barry Powell relates that in a survey of over 200,000 college freshmen, 76% ranked financial prosperity as the most important of their life goals. So it's fair to say that in the coming generation, there's a similar mindset as the prodigal son who exaggerated the importance of money. Well, the second mistake he made was that he desired instant gratification. He said, Dad, I wish you were dead so I could have my money now. And he cared more about the money that he could have than he did about the father he had. Wall Street Journal carried an article about the shocking spending habits of our generation. And according to this article, we spend far too quickly on products. That's our problem. Oftentimes, we spend too quickly. We feel the pressure and we pull the trigger on a purchase when we should wait. But the ads say, why wait? Take it home today. No payments until 2015. 
90 days, same as cash. Just click download now. Add it to your cart now. No shipping cost if you order today. And we want it, and we want it now, whatever it is. Just like the prodigal son, he was into instant gratification. He wanted what he wanted for himself now, now. And then, thirdly, he spent his money recklessly. In verse 13, it says, he went into a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. Now, the word for squandered here means to pour out wastefully. And we have to read between the lines because it doesn't detail how he squandered his money. But let me just read between the lines a little bit. My guess is that he had accumulated an entourage. He developed some fast friends because he had quite a wad and every time they would go to a bar, he picked up the bar tab. And every time they'd go to a restaurant, he paid the check to impress his new friends. Or maybe, maybe it was gambling. That is certainly a shortcut to going broke. I was part of an accountability group a few years ago to restore a California pastor and his wife who had become addicted to Internet gambling. And they literally lost everything sinking into a colossal financial hole. And when I say they lost everything, I don't just mean their money. I don't just mean their credit. I don't just mean their retirement or their house or their car. They lost their ministry. They lost the respect of their friends. They lost their self-respect. They lost the admiration and loyalty of their three young adult children, and they lost access to their grandchildren. Now, when you've lost those kinds of things then you've really lost everything. Maybe they had the equivalent of the lottery back then. You know, your odds of winning the lottery are about 20 million to one. Now, your odds of being struck by lightning are 2 million to one. So you have a better chance of being struck by lightning, walking from your car into the convenience store to buy the lottery ticket than you have to win the big bucks. But what about betting on the horses? What about that? Maybe they had that going on back then. We don't, we don't know. He squandered his money. Could it have been betting on horses? Someone has said that racetracks are the only places where windows clean people. <laughs> betting windows, folks. Betting windows clean people. So the prodigal squandered his money squandered it on wild living. And again, we're left to imagine what that is. It doesn't detail what it is. Some kind of sinful activity, I expect. The older brother mentions prostitutes. It's hard to know whether he had the facts or whether he was just pro projecting his own imagination of what he would have done in a far country. But think, of, think about it for a minute. Think about the money that people spend on alcohol, drugs, and commercial sex. Commercial sex is an $8 billion a year profit business. That's more than the combined profits of ABC, CBS, and NBC all put together. Proverbs 23, 21, for drunkards and gluttons become poor and drowsiness clothes them in rags. So. 
He exaggerated the importance of money. He desired instant gratification. He spent his money recklessly. One more mistake the prodigal made, and that is he didn't anticipate hard times. Verse 14 says, a great famine swept over the land. And he might have seen his money going pretty fast and thought to himself, no problem. I'm healthy. When I run out of money, I'll just do a deal of some time and get back on top. But, but then a famine hit, and he was in need. And you have to think about all the unplanned things that can happen to us in this life. Doctor bills, car accidents, car trouble, home repairs, unplanned pregnancy, aging parents, illness or needs. Think about these folks in New Jersey. Think about these folks in New Jersey that were living large in a beachfront house one day and homeless on the streets the next. Of course, there's no way to plan for every contingency, but a wise planner makes some allowance through saving for the unexpected. Look at Proverbs 21, 22. Wise people live in wealth and save, but foolish people spend it as fast as they get it. So the prodigal made some major mistakes, but listen, he also took, he took some corrective action. And that leads me to say it's never too late to start solving your spending problem. Here's what we learned from his experience. We're talking now about his corrections. We're talking about the right things he did. The first thing is revealed in verse 15. He took a job. Now, <clears throat> it was definitely not a glamorous job. You can't get any more demeaning for a Jewish boy than to feed pigs. This is what I would call the bottom rung <laughs> on the career ladder for sure. But when you get into financial trouble, be willing to work. An attempt at a quick fix will probably only dig you in deeper. Take a menial job if necessary. Think of it as, as taking the undercover boss route to recovery. You may not see this lower-level job as a way out. The numbers may not add up, but God honors diligence and honest effort. Look at Proverbs 10.4. A lazy person will end up poor, but a hard worker can become rich. Well, in addition to getting a job, he was also honest with himself about his mistakes. In verse 17, he came to his senses. Another version says, he came to himself. The idea is he saw the light. He woke up. He said to himself, I have been an idiot. My father's servants have it better than me. I was wrong. And this is when the prodigal got it. What about you? Can I give you some telltale signs that you may be getting into financial bondage, some telltale signs that you may be in financial bondage? Number one, if you feel guilty about spending money because you know it should be used to pay outstanding bills. Or maybe you're stressed because you're being contacted by creditors and so you don't answer your phone and you don't open your mail, or you're preoccupied with worry about money. It's always on your mind. You wake up with it in the morning, you go to bed with it at night, and you even dread hearing helpful Bible teaching on the subject of 
money management. Or maybe you're bickering with regularity, you're bickering with your spouse about money. That may be a sign that you're moving into financial bondage or you're already there. Or if you feel resentful toward God for not supplying you with more, or you feel resentment toward relatives or friends who seem to have more, or finally you feel hopeless, maybe even suicidal because you think you're failing and there seems to be no way out. The most important step that you may need to take is just to stare down your situation. Stare it down. Admit you are in bondage. Be honest about past mistakes. We're talking here about a giant step in the direction of recovery. You come to your senses. You come to yourself. Well, what else did the prodigal do to correct his situation? He developed a plan. Verse 18, he said, I'll set out and go back to my father. I'll say to my father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. No longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. So he had a plan. And his plan was to start out with an apology to his father and a confession to his father. He was not bitter. He was not arrogant. He was broken. He was not presumptuous. He prepared a humble proposal to his father. Just let me come back as a hired servant. He thought out a practical solution. He used his head. The boy is thinking straight for a change. And Proverbs 21 verse 5 says, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. According to the late Larry Burkett, only 25% of Americans operate with a budget. And you may not need to, but you may need to. A budget is like a spending diet. It imposes a discipline on you. It is the discipline of self-denial. Proverbs 13, 18 says, Poverty and shame come to the one who ignores discipline. You see, sometimes the hard work on a job is not nearly as tough as the hard work of disciplining ourselves in the area area of spending too much on our wants instead of our needs. But the discipline of just saying no to yourself can be a really good feeling. Have you had that feeling of denying yourself, saying no to yourself? It can be a good feeling. And saving up for something can actually be a pleasure. Delayed gratification gives us more time to anticipate the eventual ownership. And I understand the layaway plan has been resurrected by Walmart for Christmas. I think that's a good thing. You go and pay $20. That's what you can afford. They put away the item and save it for you, and then you pay on it till you can take it home. I think that's preferable to going into credit card debt, paying 22% interest, taking it home, and having buyer's regret. The fourth thing the prodigal did to correct his situation was he started immediately. In verse 20, it says, so he returned home. Once he had a plan in place, and once he had a green light from his father, he put his recovery plan into action. So, when should you start? How about now? How about today? A long journey starts with the first step, but here's the thing. You'll feel better immediately when you know you've made a commitment. You've made a start, and you're getting your situation under control. And the longer you wait to deal with it, 
The more of a deficit you're going to feel, the tougher it will become. Okay, so he got a job. He was honest with himself about his mistakes. He formulated a plan. He started immediately, and the final step, and the most important, he submitted himself to the will of his father. He came back home. And when he came down the road towards his home, his father was evidently out looking for him, longing for him. And while he was a great way off, his father saw him, and he was filled with compassion for him. He wasn't ready to lower the boom. He wasn't going to say, I told you so. He wasn't going to reinforce the prodigal son's failures. He was moved with compassion for him. He ran to him. He embraced him. He kissed him. And the boy didn't even get to make his rehearsed speech before his father called for a celebration. Bring the best robe. Bring the signet ring, valuable ring. He probably hocked the first one. The ring was restored. And sandals for his feet. And it's a very tender scene in Scripture as the father receives his son back home. You see, the father cared more about his son than he did the inheritance. And submitting to our Heavenly Father makes us rich, regardless of our financial situation. Rich in forgiveness, that's a good thing. Rich in promises, that's a good thing. Rich in relationships, that's a good thing. Rich in contentment. I think if there's one verse that I'd like to leave you with today, it comes from Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6. Can you make this your ethic for spending? Don't be obsessed with getting more material things. Be satisfied with what you have. Since God assured us, I'll never let you down, never walk off and leave you, we can boldly say, God is always with me ready to help. Therefore, I will never be afraid. He submitted to the Father's will, and everything came together for Him. And if you submit to your Heavenly Father's will, everything is going to come together for you. It's His will that you be saved from your sin your selfishness, self-interest. That's why Jesus died on Calvary's cross. And it's His will that, that you be buried with Christ in baptism and raised to walk in a new life, Romans 6, that you be added to His church, Acts 2. This is the will of the Father. Have you submitted to His will?